I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show Wednesday edition. We hope all of you are having a fantastic day wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. Major, major day in the Supreme Court as Mississippi's abortion law is being debated earlier this morning. Just now finishing up, we will be going to Washington, D.C. to talk to Fox News' legal correspondent, Shannon Bream, who was in that courtroom. And, by the way, the Supreme Court back open to allow people to witness uh, these arguments in person. Buck, you listened to much of what went on uh, in this argument earlier today. I have been paying a great deal of attention to this as well, trying to read the tea leaves as to where we might be headed and what the overall impact of this decision could be. We are scheduled... Uh, to have the governor of Mississippi on, Tate Reeves, at some point this week to discuss this case in particular. But I want to play a couple of cuts to contextualize where we are in terms of the debate surrounding Mississippi's law, which would not permit abortion after 15 weeks and how it fits into the framework surrounding Roe v. Wade, but also Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which are the frameworks which have allowed abortion to be the law of the land from a federal perspective. Uh, Here is Justice Sonia Sotomayor asking how the Supreme Court will survive if Roe v. Wade is overturned and the court is seen as political. Will this institution survive the stench that this creates? in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts. If people actually believe that it's all political, how will we survive? How will the court survive? The concern about appearing political makes it absolutely imperative that the court reach a decision well-grounded in the Constitution, in text, structure, history, and tradition, and that carefully goes through the stare decisis factors as we've laid out. No, it didn't. Casey went through every one of them. You think it did it wrong. That's your belief. 
but Casey did that. Okay. So, Buck, my prediction, I'll just lay it out, and obviously we can discuss this in great detail because it's a major story. I think what's going to end up happening months from now when this decision actually comes down is they are going to uphold the Mississippi law, and they are going to do it, however, within the existing framework of Casey and Roe, make it even more tortured and difficult to understand the rulings. You heard stare decisis uh, mentioned there. For people who are not familiar with that phrase, that's basically the idea that you need to respect existing precedent, which John Roberts has deferred to a great deal. And so that's why I think this is the most likely outcome. Mississippi law is permissible, but they are not going to overturn Roe v. Wade or Casey. What do you think based on your reading and listening of the arguments today? The argument for the pro-life side was going well today overall. I mean, just start with that. The people who were listening in would have caught some of this, but I was I spent, you know, from the the gaveling in until we had to come on air here, Clay, listening to the uh the back and forth. And there were only really a couple of areas that it seemed like the in this case, obviously the Biden administration side, the solicitor general, really dug in on. You mentioned stare decisis, just precedent, right? Stare yes. decisis, fancy Latin term, Latin for, term for, precedent. for precedent, basically. And deference and, to precedent. And and Kavanaugh, I think, did a very good job among others. Essentially, that's right. That Brett Kavanaugh, uh, the guy that they tried so desperately to keep off the Supreme Court. We all remember that saying, well, yeah, precedent is precedent until it's not right until until all of a sudden you decide that same sex marriage needs to be legal with Obergfell or until you decide. I mean, and, and then they beyond just that, there's also the stains on the Supreme Court's history, Korematsu, Dred Scott, where clearly it was just wrong. Right. It was, it was it was a yes. moral and legal wrong. So that's not really the argument that I think the left wants to believe that it is in something like this, where it hasn't played out the way that they wanted it to. Right. The initially one of the arguments and this came up in favor of Roe and then and then Casey was, well, this will cool things down. Right. This will kind of take this so that everyone knows what the rules are. No, it hasn't. In fact, if anything, I think it's made the issue even more divisive because the the position here of the conservatives on the court is not that they're going to have a federal ban on abortion. The, the conservatives on the court, if they went, I think, by the way, you are right. And I don't know what the betting odds would be on this or if there really is such a thing. But the smart money from a lot of conservative legal minds I know lines up with what you said, which is they'll let the Mississippi law stand, but they won't necessarily go all the way in and say, look, Roe is bad law uh, or Roe and Casey. Uh, in, in essence, parts of them are bad law. So the precedent issue, I think, didn't go very, very well for them. And then also viability came up a lot. What is the viability line? And this has played out over a long period of time now, decades, where that how is that even really a legal concept? For one thing, viability, meaning when can a fetus survive yes. outside the womb, that changes, is variable, and if anything, has been moving earlier and earlier in the Correct. gestation process. So how are we even pretending that that's really and, and that came up very clearly in some of the some of the arguments. I think, Thomas, you know, you have all these different you can't see them, right? Which actually yes. you realize how much it hurts your memory of these things where you don't see. I think Thomas talked about it. Alito might have brought it up. Uh, but the viability issue, I think, is another place where because you even have leftists, Clay, who will say that's pretty arbitrary. And so if it's arbitrary, why not send it back to the states and allow them to make their own distinctions about this, which I mean, you, you could see it, right? You could see a 5-4, I mean, bombshell, I don't know what better word to use, you know, legal avalanche decision here. 
Uh, but if you were listening on the merits today, I, I think that it was a very strong showing for the anti-abortion pro-life side of the equation. I think they're feeling pretty good about the case that was made today before the court. All right, here's what else I would say. I want to play this because, not surprisingly, temperatures are all ratcheted up. The left wing in this country is losing its mind. This is uh, uh, on MSNBC, I believe, Joy Reid show. And abortion activist Liz Winstead said people who support abortion restrictions also support, what do you think, white supremacy. Listen to this argument. The lower court, the Fifth Circuit, the most conservative court in the land, twice said, you know what, this isn't going to pass muster in the state of Mississippi. And the extreme conservatives there went to the Supreme Court to say, we want a hearing, and they got one. And that should make everyone take a pause, right? And so folks learning about who are the legislatures, who are the governors in your state, who are the people who are running solely on this issue, because so many of them are, and looking the intersections of those people and white supremacy and how they feel about (laughs) guns and how they feel about all this stuff. And I think that it's all intersectional and we need to pay attention closely. I mean, it it does make me think, Clay, which first of all, when they're talking about white supremacy in the context of abortion, you go back and look at Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. You go back and look at the early philosophy of the pro-abortion side. Oh, yeah. And there is a a clear eugenics eugenics thread in their thinking. A lot of the, well, society won't want fill in the blank, you know, kids that are unwanted in a whole different range of of categories. And it's horrific. I mean, when you actually know the history of Planned Parenthood, you understand why this is an organization that is it's really shocking that it's been able to exist in the American mainstream and become so powerful. I mean, there's really nothing in the Democrat Party as an issue where I think you are as uh, you'll be as outraged by, you know, when it comes to your own side, you'll upset people as much as if you're a Democrat who breaks from them on the issue of abortion. I mean, Planned Parenthood will go after you. They There's a ferociousness that it enforces its dictates with. And so we'll, we'll have to see if finally I think the court decides that creating a constitutional right out of thin air is, you know, that's a stain on the court. They kept talking about how will the, how will the institution survive. I remember, I mean, even hearing a very left-wing uh, law professor in college, they call it law and jurisprudence at my school, talking about how, look, it's not good law. I, he would say, I think Roe is great, but every, it's not yes, good law. That's right. Everyone kind of knows that. And so saying, oh, but, 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 no, actually, this never should have been what the court did. They were wrong on the implications over the long term. That's why the 50 years matter so much, because we've seen what's actually happened. And for conservatives out there, I mean, I think this is a moment where you got to ask yourself, you know, if we don't conserve life, what are we conserving? And one of my frustrations has been in, conservative media now for over a de- uh, over a decade i guess clay time flies people always say you know you talk about abortion they turn the dial you talk about abortion they change the channel we're not conserving life i don't really know what we're even showing up to do on as a conservative in the media i mean this is a central issue and finally it seems there may be some real some real headway toward toward justice a couple of things here one calling uh people who oppose abortion white supremacists given that the overwhelming numbers from a per capita basis of abortions are occurring are minorities, right? So it's a straining of white supremacy on an incredible level to argue that white supremacy is actually protecting minority life, right, for that argument. The other thing I would say here, Buck, is there is a lot of histrionics on this argument. I think it's important to put in context what would happen. Like, I don't think that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade and Casey. 
But if this court did, they could. If they did, it would not end abortion in the United States. It would return this decision to state legislatures and governors, and many states would say abortion is not legal. Twelve of them instantaneously, mostly red states, would say you can't do it in our state. But all of the blue states arguably would be able to make abortion even more lenient than it might be now. So it doesn't end. There's this argument out there. Oh, my God, you'd never abortions would never exist in the country anymore. It would change everything. No, no. Every state would have the right to make their own decision. But the states, the blue states that would continue with this wouldn't have the backstopping, not just on a legal, but on a moral level of the Supreme Court has said this is a constitutional right. You know, states can do a lot of things. States actually constitutionally can do a lot of things that I think are, and we're seeing some of this with with COVID, doing things that are anti-liberty, doing things that don't make sense, but they do have a lot of powers. But a state that takes it upon itself to, let's say, make abortion legal at at any stage of a presidency, which, I'm sorry, of of a gestation. Or whatever it um, might be, yes. uh, uh, At at any stage of a pregnancy. Pardon me, that's the word I was looking for. Um, That would be one that would then have to have people looking at themselves in the mirror and say, Why does Texas outlaw this? Why does Mississippi not allow this at all? It changes for a lot of people the moral certainty that they want to have about this as a constitutional right, which, look, whatever people think of the issue, that it's a constitutional right is a flat absurdity. I mean, that's what I think started to come across today a little bit to people who are really paying attention to the oral arguments. No doubt. And I think, Buck, it also adds to the anger because you're not able to do it through a legislative process, whatever your perspective is on abortion. This is a political issue that should be resolved at individual state. That was Scalia's always Scalia's position, by the way. He was always very clear on this, that the states get to determine this. That's the actual constitutional order of the situation. I think he's right on that. Um, uh, it's not too late, by the way, Buck, to get comfortable with our Tommy John's extended Cyber Monday sell. Celebrate softness season, your favorite Tommy John underwear, loungewear, and pajamas. When you start your day wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable, so you can do everything better. Right now, extended Cyber Monday sale. Give the gift of comfort to everyone on your list, including yourself with Tommy John men's and women's loungewear. How do you get hooked up with this, Buck? It's so easy, folks. This is Tommy John's extended Cyber Monday sale. You're going to get 20% off site-wide plus free shipping at TommyJohn.com slash buck. Again, 20% off plus free shipping for a limited time only at TommyJohn.com slash buck. Order now so your gifts arrive before the holidays. That's TommyJohn.com slash buck. See site for details. Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. 
I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. How dangerous, how transmissible is Omicron? Well, there are some people out there with platforms and followings and that people listen to for whatever reason who don't want to seem to wait to find out, who are already taking this as a moment of panic to be exploited. Uh, Clay just pointed out to me the break that Canada is now instituting uh, vaccine passports for travel uh, on on planes and trains. Right. That's, yep. That's where this is. You're now, down to automobiles if you're not vaccinated. You know, Canada or electric scooters. I'm yeah, just, or scooters. I'm just saying, Jackson. not checking the Vax passport on the electric scooter if you still have it because it hasn't been stolen from you. Um, but back to uh, back to where we are here with the conversation around Omicron. Um, CNBC host Jim Cramer, who I <laughs> look, I mean, everyone I know who understands finance always says, if you listen to these guys, you don't understand finance. But anyway, I mean, if you like take their advice seriously all the time. But here he is going way outside his mandate to tell you stocks, buy, sell, buy, sell, uh, to say the federal government. You know what? I'm actually not going to do it justice by trying to explain what Jim Cramer of CNBC wants to happen to everybody when it comes to vaccines. Let's hear Cramer say it. How do we finally put an end to this pandemic? Simple. The federal government needs to require vaccines, including booster shots, for everyone in America by, say, January 1st. This charade must end. We have immunocompromised people who are incubators for every variant to come, walking around lawfully unvaccinated? That's psychotic. So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. Clay, can I just say, as much as we're sitting here aghast at this notion, a couple things strike uh, strike me. One is that, as you know, and we discussed this, it wouldn't even end. No. Even if you did, if you got a whole, if you got 100% of the United States to get vaccinated, you're not getting 100% of the world to get vaccinated. There would still be variants. There would still be COVID. By the way, coronaviruses have animal reservoirs, too, which no one ever talks about. But people who are actual epidemiologists will point out and say, hey, another thing. Australia is actually kind of doing what Jim Cramer's saying. I mean, at some level, right? They're, they're actually enforcing quarantine camps. 
They track people down who leave the state-run quarantine camps in Australia like criminals, Clay. I think the key here is, I don't know whether, first of all, it's a, it's an absolutely ludicrous idea. He also said that if you don't get vaccinated, you have to be basically in home confined. And he was reading this, it appears, if you watch the video, Buck, off of a prompter. It's not like he was just coming up with it on the fly, which would still be dumb, but at least it's live television. Maybe he just got on a tangent and he wasn't anticipating where he was going to end up. But this is the thing that is so frustrating. And I, and I know you and I have, have preached it to this audience. The idea of 100% vaccination doesn't change anything. Look, LeBron James is double vaccinated. He just tested positive for COVID. Uh, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, is double vaccinated. He just tested positive for COVID. These are prominent people. The reason why I mentioned athletes, because they're being tested and because they're obviously more likely to be have stories written about them and everything else. We know by looking at states like Vermont and by looking at states like New Hampshire, which are setting close to records of hospitalization despite massive vaccination rates, we can't vaccinate ourselves out of this COVID pandemic. It's not going to happen. And so all these people making arguments like Jim Cramer are throwing away their liberty and they're giving it up without even receiving any security in exchange for it. And as I've said, folks, they're not done. You see this already with what's going on in Canada now with the uh, transportation vaccination uh, mandate. You're already hearing people say, why have all these rules? Why have all these uh, different things that go into effect here in preparation for Omicron if you're not going to make people who get on planes have vaccination cards, right? Why do you have them for restaurants in New York City but not planes? They're not done, Clay. And it started in L.A. as well, Buck. So uh, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show earlier this week, but now in order to go to a bar, restaurant, movie theater, gym in L.A., you have to have your vaccine card. I want to save you some money for the holidays. Our friends at Pure Talk have iPhone 12 starting at just $479 through the end of the year. They also have the 13. So many of you have switched your cell phone service to Pure Talk. You get nationwide 5G, the same coverage as the big guys, but for far less money every month. The family on a shared plan can save $800. My own son, 13-year-old, 8th grader, has a Pure Talk phone. I've had these guys in my house, and we absolutely love it. But you can try it out as well. 30-day risk-free guarantee, nothing to lose. Unlimited talk, text, 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. iPhone 12, just $479. How do you sign up? Get your cell phones in your hand right now. Dial pound 250, say Pure Talk. You get 50% off additionally your first month and save on a new phone. That's pound 250, say Pure Talk. Some restrictions apply. Call for details. Welcome back in. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. So far, Buck, appreciate all of you, by the way. Encourage you to go download podcasts subscribe make sure that you don't miss a single moment i've been in media for a while now buck you've been talking about how you did 10 years in media so far i believe neither one of us has ever been suspended uh which gives us one step up on our good friend chris cuomo i believe one of us has been banned for life however and i am jealous i am jealous of that ban <laughs> that is that is worth mentioning while i have not been suspended I have been banned for life from ever appearing on CNN. So that's a pretty, that's maybe more substantial than a suspension. That's like, that's like being banned from the People's Republic of North Korea or something. Like, that's a great honor. Well, it's really funny when you consider the guys that they actually employ, uh, like uh, our buddy Tubin, who uh, Tubin himself uh, while 
while hanging out with uh, with workers on Zoom. Um, but what, what's interesting here is Chris Cuomo worked to defend his brother in the face of the sexual harassment discussions. And now the details of the New York Attorney General's investigation have come out. And I want to play first this flashback clip. This was Chris Cuomo, who, by the way, if you haven't heard, has been indefinitely suspended from CNN. That's what I was hinting at, uh, talking about the suspensions to begin the discussion here. Uh, He apologized for his involvement back in May when these details first broke. Now that they are more substantial, CNN said, hey, we have to suspend you. Let's play cut 11. This is a unique and difficult situation, and that's okay. I know where the line is. I can respect it and still be there for my family, which I must. I have to do that. I love my brother. I love my family. I love my job. And I love and respect my colleagues here at CNN. And again, to them, I am truly sorry. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. And I want this to be said in public. That's now basically been proven to be untrue. And I want to play this cut, and then I'm curious what you think about this. CNN only talked about it one time on air yesterday when they suspended him. I believe it was during Anderson Cooper. They expanded Anderson Cooper's show to two hours. Here is what Anderson Cooper said. Uh, cut 12. Some news now about this network. It involves Chris Cuomo, the host of Cuomo Prime Time. New documents released this week indicated that Chris was more intimately involved than previously known in helping his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, craft a defense amid a flurry of sexual misconduct allegations. Here's a statement released tonight from a CNN spokesperson. When Chris admitted to us that he had offered advice to his brother's staff, he broke our rules, and we acknowledge that publicly. But we also appreciated the unique position he was in and understood his need to put family first and job second. However, these documents point to a greater level of involvement in his brother's efforts than we previously knew, the spokesperson added. As a result, we have suspended Chris indefinitely pending further evaluation. What do you think, Buck? You've got two brothers. I've got three kids, three boys. I think about it now in the context of that situation. That's kind of how Tucker and Sean Hannity both addressed it on their shows. What do you think? Well, first of all, yeah, your family's more important to you than your uh, professional considerations as a general should be should be more important to you than those professional considerations um, in, in a general sense. But but my I mean, there's so much here, right? As somebody who saw a bit of CNN from the inside and and I'm I'm fond of pointing out they actually wanted me to stay there. And I was like, I'm getting the heck out of this place. Yeah. I'm never coming back. Uh, so I'm not quite banned, but I'm definitely not welcome in the building anymore, um, even after they offered to try to pay me to keep me around. So I uh, I decided, Clay, or rather, when you look at this, you see that CNN still pretends to be a news organization. That's right. the, that's the fundamental problem, right? You and I can come on the air and say, I like this person. I don't like that person. I support this politician. I don't support. CNN plays this game of the gold standard of journalism. Well, when you have that and add it on top, <clears throat> excuse me, add it on top of that, you have a circumstance where you have people who are very pro Me Too movement, who are very involved in pretending to care about that issue. And then you have one of your star anchors, who really was their biggest ratings draw for a long time, saying things, doing things like this behind the scenes to possibly pressure, maybe even undermine, you know, Bill Clinton style, undermine the accusers. That's just too much. 
And in the background of all this, too, you have his brother, who he's defending, who really, as far as the left is concerned, is standing in the way of the first African-American female governor of New York. So there was also a political element and dynamic to this, too. But I don't think he's gone forever, by the way. I think they'll probably suspend him. him. They're going to tube in him. Which yeah. actually sounds really bad, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and and I think it's an interesting question because what's what what's intriguing to me, and I don't watch CNN. I know you occasionally flip it on uh, to see kind of how they they're covering news stories, and and we'll talk about that sometimes at CNN.com and things such as that. It appears to me that CNN is trying to pivot in a big way from the far left-wing woke universe. And even, we talked about this, I think, last week, Chris Cuomo came out and on his show last week ripped the idea of tearing apart the idea of Thanksgiving, which uh, which was ironic because the Don Lemons of the world have certainly gone so far left-wing, and Chris Cuomo had followed him, that it sounded even uh, a different tone for them to say, hey, you know what, it's fine to celebrate Thanksgiving. And I don't know what they're going to do with Chris Cuomo because this internecine warfare over Me Too, how can he cover Me Too again if he has been uh, undermining on behalf of his brother all of the women that were trying to accuse uh, Andrew Cuomo of impropriety? I mean, fundamentally, CNN has to cling to the illusion for its audience. Its audience likes to believe that what they're getting is journalism. As laughable as that is to anybody who has perspective and understanding of what CNN is and is all about, I also think it's funny there are these stories about how angry Jake Tapper is because he always <laughs> attaches himself to being the the gold standard of journalism over at CNN. I wonder where all these angry Jake Tapper stories are coming from that the media has picked up over the Daily Mail and other places about how Chris Cuomo is undermined. I mean, this is the Russia collusion hoax factory, my friends. Yes. This is a place that sends reporters to go harass private citizens at their own homes because they were part of like a you know a Russian bot Facebook group or something. CNN is completely out of its mind as an organization. It has no ethics. It was part of the Kavanaugh smear campaign on the vanguard really of the Kavanaugh smear campaign. And what you see here is they got a lot of people running around who still want to cling to the old notion that what they do is journalism. It's not. It's fundamentally a propagandistic organization. But Chris Cuomo, the problem is he he has embarrassed them. It's yes. not that he's unethical or a bad guy. He embarrassed CNN because it's too obvious at the party line that what they do there is journalism is untrue. And embarrassment is the one thing even uh, little Jeff Zucker does not like over there. That's the even if you're buddies with him, you can't embarrass the network, and that's what's going on here. Well, the woke play, if CNN followed the woke playbook, would be Chris Cuomo gets fired and they replace him with a minority woman. Right, that would be the comeuppance that would be the CNN woke playbook. I don't know who they have that could host a show to replace Chris Cuomo because I'm sure he's making them a decent amount of money. But if they went full woke, Buck, that is the direction that they would go. Uh, we'll continue to break this down and keep you updated on it. In the meantime, we've learned a lot since 2020. And one of those things is powerful immune system is a really big deal. That's why you need Texas Superfood. 55 vine-ripened fruits and vegetables, plus probiotics and digestive enzymes. You can build your body's defense from the inside out. 
Dr. Black, who invented Texas Superfood over 20 years ago, wants you to know that your immune system's job is to detect, deflect, and destroy bacteria you come in contact with, which is why Texas Superfood boosts your immune system better than anything on the market. Your grandma, guess what, Buck? She told you to eat your fruits and veggies, but how many people don't? How can you hook yourself up with Texas Superfood, the safety net for the American diet? Start boosting your immune system for under $2 a day. Go to TexasSuperfood.com slash Buck or call 855-TEXAS-55. That's TexasSuperfood.com slash Buck or call 855-TEXAS-55. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think we're, we are working in close coordination with leaders in Congress, Democrats and Republicans, to ensure the government stays open. Uh, let's just take a step back and think about the absurdity of that call. They're calling for the government to shut down, prevent essential services from going out to people across the country because they're upset about our efforts to save people's lives. I'll just leave that there. Uh, and see if any Republicans on the Hill agree with that. Welcome back to Clay and Buck Show. There you had White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki telling everybody that Republicans are upset about efforts to save lives, because that's really what's going on here. Sure, that's the situation. Uh, there is some talk now <clears throat> among Republicans that they would be willing 
to go into a government shutdown to end the Biden vaccine mandate. Let's also point out that there is uh, there have been several federal courts that have stepped in now to say the Biden vaccine mandate goes too far, using OSHA to force essentially a nationwide vaccine mandate is unconstitutional. And one, I believe this was a Fifth Circuit judge, right, Clay, just came down and put in a, I'd said the the words universal injunction a few times in recent weeks, universal injunction across the country not to put into effect the vaccine mandate. And there's also the reporting that the Biden administration wasn't going to enforce this stuff till after the holiday anyway, right? So they were going to make sure that there was no action taken against federal employees uh, during the holiday. That would seem a little too maybe uh, mandate Ebenezer Scrooge-like. So here we have Saki saying that they're upset about people trying to save lives. Of course, this is, you know, this is the kind of hyperbole that you, you can expect from Democrats now on this. But keep in mind that I, I don't understand, Clay, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't understand why as we look at this, we don't have people understanding that the booster is going to have to be a moral issue for people, too. Right. So if you think you're vaccinated and you're good, no, you're actually going to get lectures about how you're reckless because you don't have a booster. That's right. That's where we're headed. And who knows exactly where this is going to go before all is said and done, because, fuck, I mean, this is kind of crazy. But there's an expectation now that when you come into the country uh, this is from uh, CNN's Caitlin Collins. Top officials are considering requiring everyone who enters the U.S., by the way, everybody except people who come across the southern border, we should mention, get tested the day before their flight and have all people, including U.S. citizens, test again after returning home, regardless of VAC status. This is from the Washington Post. And they're talking about people who come in from out of country having to go to their houses and quarantine for a full week or more, this is crazy. And, and Buck, it's significant in that, uh, you know, we were talking about off air. I was scheduled with my family to go to Puerto Rico uh, around Christmas. We were going to get away, go somewhere warm. But that's still the United States technically. But I'm so concerned about what rules are going to be put in place that we're going to Florida instead. Like, I don't want to leave the continental United States because I think there are going to be some pretty draconian restrictions put on. Yeah, I plan my vacation this year in uh, and you know which my birthday coincides with. Yeah, forty four zero in Florida because I was like I'm not going to some foreign country where they might lock me into some uh, quarantine facility for ten days. That doesn't sound like that much fun. A way to spend a vacation, but Clay, behind all this, there's also the recognition. They don't want to talk about it this way, but the recognition that the vaccines do not. They may lessen. They do not stop. The spread of the virus. Yes. They don't talk about that very much, but clearly that's why all these other measures are also necessary, right? I mean, if the vaccine was highly effective at stopping all infection, this is about breakthrough infections. Now, we still, we still have to say that for those at high risk, those who are, have comorbidities, it protects at a pretty good, pretty high level from hospitalization and death. In terms of stopping the spread, we have to get boosters because it doesn't stop the spread very well, obviously. Now, how well, we don't really know, but they're directing policies now based upon the observable phenomenon. You just said LeBron James has COVID after being double vaccinated. Yep. People are getting it and spreading it who are vaccinated and not one or two people, lots of people. Our friend, Dr. McCary, shared a uh, Johns Hopkins physician, shared a story, uh, I believe it was, of the uh and a study inside of a prison 
to compare rate of spread for people who were double vaccinated and people who had not been vaccinated. And they found that the virus spread just as much from the vaccinated as from the unvaccinated. So this idea that we have a pandemic or the unvaccinated or that only unvaccinated people have been causing the spread of COVID is a lie that is not supported by any statistical measure of data at all. And that, I think, is fairly significant. McCary will be with us uh, on Monday, by the way, Dr. McCary, to talk talk about all these issues, because uh, this is now we're we're in another phase where the Fauciites are changing not just the narrative, but also the policies. And they want you to forget about where we were for the last three months. Right. This summer, it was, whoa, there's so many cases. It's all the it, it was a pandemic. Of the unvaccinated. That's what they that tried to tell the, us. That was the Biden line. That was the president of the United States and Fauci and all the rest of them. Now it's everybody get the booster, even if you're vaccinated. Well, gee, why is that the case? I thought it was a pandemic just of the unvaccinated. They're moving the goalposts again. And we see that this is going to result in a lot of restrictions because remember, they'll do pre, uh, they'll do preventative stuff. They're doing it in New York. The, the, by the way, I don't know if the new governor is worse than Cuomo, but it's getting pretty close these days. I mean, she's not grabbing at ladies, but she that is we doing, know of that we know <laughs> of. Yeah. But she is doing bad things like getting rid of uh, hospitals, elective surgeries in some places, you know, putting a pause on that in preparation for the Omicron variant and everything we've seen out of South Africa. By the way, it doesn't come from South Africa. It's already in dozens of countries it's all over the place yeah we don't know where this thing started we don't know who it began with we don't know where it started obviously we're never really going to find that out but they they have a pretty rigorous public health system in south africa that looked at this and identified it and everything we've heard so far is that the omicron variant is pretty mild as a covid strain so far that's what you know you know they can clip this in two months oh my god omicron is horrible but that's what they've told us as of right now so if that's the case, why are we already ramping up all the other mitig- all the other so-called mitigation measures, indoor masking requirements now coming in more and more places? Why? We're, we've been talking about variants and mutations. I think that's an important part, Buck, uh, of this discussion, as if they could only make things worse. The reality is most viruses don't continue to mutate and get worse. They become less virulent over time. So if... This new variant out of South Africa, where we at least acknowledge that it initially was recognized, if it actually is less virulent in terms of uh, creating significant health issues, it actually might be positive because it might start to knock Delta out and lead us to even more herd immunity. We don't know, but that's at least what they're saying in South Africa, the people who have studied this variant the most. We have our friend Shannon Breen from Fox News, who's covering the Supreme Court case very closely, joining us, scheduled to join us in the uh, middle of the next hour. So we're looking forward to talking to Shannon, super sharp legal mind, great lady. And uh, we also have more for you on where the restrictions are going, what we know about Omicron. Clay, New York City has opened its first legal drug injection sites. You've seen The Wire, right? Yeah, Remember yeah. There was the... What was it? A ham- it was a hamster dam, they called it or something, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the legalized corridor for drugs. Uh, we are looking at that happening in New York City right now. Given what's going on with crime and everything else, how do you think this is going to go? We'll talk about that more. Seems like up. a bad idea.
You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 